Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... In this episode of Alpha Acid Radio, I'll discuss 2019 beer trends, one of the best overlooked stouts on the market, winter beers to warm your liver to, and I'll get you up to speed on what looks like to be a shit ton of beer releases that made the cut before Trump shut down the TTV. All in episode number five of Alpha Acid Radio. Welcome, folks. It's a Friday night for me. I'm drinking some brews. I am your host, Mr. Liquid Bread, and you have just opened up another can of whoop-ass on Alpha Acid Radio, where we discuss beer, uh, we also discuss craft beer, and we also discuss that other stuff. Um, What's it called? Beer. Uh, I mean, that's all what this show is about. It's about the news with craft beer, primarily. Sometimes we'll poke fun at Budweiser. But that's what we're all about here. So let's get into this for this episode. Obviously, in 2018, the big, big beer trend that we saw were hazy IPAs. I think in the years past, we saw other trends like sours that really hit the market, creeks, gozas, goose, all those type of styles of beer were probably a little bit more prominent in the 2017, maybe 2016 years. So what are we going to see in 2019? What do you think is out there that you're seeing a trend in? My opinion is I think we're going to continue seeing more breweries exploring that New England style IPA trend. So some of those bigger breweries out there, at least in my area, have not dove into the deep end of the pool and explored their brewing prowess with New England style IPAs. I'm not quite sure. I haven't seen it on the from this far away from like the West Coast, but breweries like Lagunitas and Stone, I haven't seen a mass distribution of any of that style for coming from their breweries. And here in my home state of Michigan, I have not seen Bells or Founders, the two big hitters here, dive into the New England style IPA market. Now, they may be doing something in their brew pub, but I haven't seen anything being dist- distributed in bottles or cans. So I think that trend's going to continue on. I think we're going to continue seeing a lot of breweries jumping on the NEIPA. I like to call it the NEPA bandwagon. Let's just let's just read off the acronym. I mean, we do that with everything else. There's GIF or JIF, whatever you want to call it. JPEG. We say DIPA for a double IPA, for example. Why can't we say NEPA? I forgot my point now. What was I talking about? Oh, so yes, I, I do I do think that we're going to see a continued hot trend of NEPAs or New England style IPAs. But I think the two big styles that are starting to become more prominent out there are that I'm seeing a lot of evidence, not only in my beer store, but on the web. The first one is Brut IPAs. And I don't know if a lot of you have seen Brut IPAs or even know what one is. I just actually learned about it not too long ago. May even have mentioned it in an earlier episode. First time I saw it, I actually thought it was a Brett, a beer that was brewed with Britannomyces uh, yeast instead of the typical yeast that you use. But I was wrong. A Brett IPA, from what I've read, I've not had one yet, so I can't confirm this, but a Brett, B-U-R-T IPA, is one that is more uh, champagne-like. So I can imagine it's lighter mouthfeel and more, you know, there's more carbonation or more bubbly, if you will. 
So I've seen a lot of those IPAs starting to hit the shelves now. Uh, for some reason, I'm not quite sure why, breweries are venturing into the non-alcoholic beer sector and are starting to brew more of those style of beers. And I'm not quite sure who's buying them. Maybe it's just me. I, I don't know. But if I go out with a group of friends and I'm going to be the designated driver and I'm not going to drink beer, I'm, I don't, I just, I don't know if I enjoy beer that much that it's good still without the alcohol. I need both. You know, it's the flavor, it's the aroma, and it's that buzz. I'm telling you guys, it, that's good. All three of them together make a very, they, they make a very homogeneous relationship in, in the beverage. And you take out any three of those and the beverages, the beverage to me loses its its kick. If you, if you have a beer that's got the alcohol and it's got the nose, but just has a shitty taste, you don't drink it. If Conversely, if you have a beer that tastes really well, but it smells like garbage and has a high ABV, you probably don't continue drinking it. And in my opinion, if you have a beer that smells good, tastes good, but has no alcohol in it, don't really want to drink it. I'll I'll pass and I'm going to be the designated driver. I'll be responsible and I'll have a Coke. But it's apparently big enough that there are a lot of big hitter breweries are going down that non-alcoholic beer realm. And the Brut IPAs are, are right there with it. Now, another thing I have saw that's kind of offshoot of both of these beers, it's an IPA, and it's a new style I've seen a couple breweries hit, and it's not quite, I wouldn't call it a trend yet or, or what's really going to be hot next year, but I've seen a couple breweries doing it already. And it's weird, and I have, I have had one, and it actually tastes kind of interesting. And that's an IPA that's brewed with lactose. And right off the bat, the first time I read that, I was like, what the hell is that? But, you know, typically we lactose, of those of you who don't know, it's a it's the sugar that's in milk. And typically you see it in more of the darker beers or stouts, porters maybe even. Uh, but it's it's a, you know, a milk's, a, the milk sugars are added to the beer and yeast cannot metabolize that type of sugar it can metabolize the simple sugars that are given off from a from the malt through the uh the brewing process but it cannot yeast typical yeast cannot metabolize lactose sugar i'm guessing that's because it's an animal type sugar and maybe a little bit more complex and yeast are predominantly eaters of simpler sugars plant sugars for example that's the only thing I can think of. But anyways, let me get into science too much. But lactose is now being added to a very hoppy style of beer and a lighter beer. And it's to me, it's just strange. Now, when I had it, I do have to admit I had a couple beers in me. I was watching some football and I probably didn't break the beer down or really dissect it enough in my head and in my palate and my nose and all that. But it wasn't it wasn't displeasurable at all. It was actually it was actually pretty decent. So. That's another trend that I'm starting to see pop up here and there. Maybe it's just a mild, mild trend. Maybe not. It's, it's something that's maybe local to me, maybe even. And maybe it's not something we'll see a, wide, a widespread adoption across the United States. But the big two that I'm seeing right now are Brut IPAs and non-alcoholic beers that are craft beers, too. Not, we're not talking about a, your, your dad's O'Doul's either. We're talking about big hitters. Before I jump into this next article, I'm going to crack open a beer here. And this beer, I'm not going to mention the name or the brewery because it will come up in beer releases later in this episode. 
but this is a beer I will be drinking. It is a, uh, I think it's a double IPA. Comes out once a year. Lots of hops, lots of malt, which is what I like about double IPAs. So this next article was uh, really intrigued me. It's I'm not really going to read the article all that much. I'm just going to kind of mention it. But I want to talk about what they were referring to. And this is an article out of Paste Magazine, pastemagazine.com. And the title of the of the article is Beers We Love, Oscar Blues 1050. So I was intrigued because this is a beer that I kind of have a fascination with. And they talk about how nowadays it seems like if you're if you're a heavy hitter stout and you're a brewery that's making this heavy hitter stout, you're putting a lot of adjuncts in it or doing stuff to the base stout to make it that much better. And I don't disagree with them. There are a lot of stouts out there in the market that are solid as hell. And they are bourbon barrel aged or they're cinnamon added or lactose and all these other adjuncts, different things to mix up the beer. Uh, habanero, pepper, cinnamon, Mexican chocolate, tons of stuff to add to the stout to enhance it and make it that much better. So there are not many breweries out there that just brew a solid stout that has no adjuncts. All it is is a plain old stout that makes you open your eyes and go, damn, this is good. You know, puts puts hair in your chest. Makes your, if you're a woman, makes your bosoms nice and full. Just gets you all excited. Makes you want to go out and not only shovel out your driveway when it's in the middle of a snowstorm, but shovel out both neighbors on both sides of you's driveway too because you're just so excited because this beer was so great. And 1050 is one of those beers. There's probably a couple other out there. Old Rasputin's a really good one that you could drink that's just a solid beer. Another one would be Plead to Fifth by Dark Horse Brewing Company. And maybe the only other one I can think of, maybe, and this is pushing it a little bit, and that is Worldwide Stout by Dogfish Head. All of those beers are beers that don't really have any adjuncts added. There's no cacao. There's no chocolate. There's no spices. There's no lactose. It's just just an overall solid, solid stout. They're not bourbon barrel aging it at all. Just a really solid stout. And that's what 1050 is. And I thought this article was really good because they talk about that. Talk about that people are out there seeking these big ABV beers, these big beers that have, you know, all these adjuncts in them. And sometimes you just got to go back and find out what your roots are, go back home and find out what a really good base stout tastes like. I sometimes am harsh on untapped when I rate my beers that I drink because there will be beers that are bourbon barrel aged, aged for maybe 12 months, really did a really good job with the aging process. It's got plenty of bourbon but they fell short on the base stout and it's watery or it doesn't have enough depth to it. It doesn't have enough of that, that meat and potatoes that you want out of a stout. When you pour a 10 fitty, for those of you who've never had one, it looks like you're, you've had motor oil pulled out of a 1978 Pontiac Bonneville and the oil's never been changed. And you take that and you pour it in a glass. This beer is dark as night. It's thick. The head on it is a dark brown color. It is a beautiful, beautiful looking beer. And when you taste it, it is just all about the roasted malts, complexity of the roasted malts, and it's just a really solid stout. There's no bullshit with this stout at all. And that's what this article was about. It's about getting back to your roots and find and explore those base beers and find out what that a good base beer is. So the next time you have a bourbon barrel aged beer or some other beer that's got some adjuncts in it, which are still good, 
you can kind of define, are they hiding the base beer behind all those adjuncts? Or do you have a really solid beer that where they've added all those adjuncts on top of a really well-brewed beer? Because I think that's a, that's a thing that people miss. They get overwhelmed with all the other flavors that are going on. And they're, you know, you lose the, you have a shitty base beer. And, you know, what do you, to me, you're, you're missing out. You're missing out on the overall scheme. There's several pieces of the puzzle, and you can't hide a missing piece by throwing in a bunch of adjuncts or throwing it in a barrel for 10 or 12 months to to hide that base beer. And, you know, Plead the Fifth is a good example. Plead the Fifth, they take that beer and they actually bourbon barrel age it. 1050, they bourbon barrel age that. Now, they do do some adjunct adjunct type variants of 1050 with coconut and such, but you're, you're, you're already starting off with such a great base beer that I think uh, all you can do is go up as long as you don't go overboard on the adjuncts. It's good sometimes just to find a really solid stout, really solid porter, uh, really solid brown. Those three styles to me are some styles that I think breweries lack in terms of doing well. They're all about doing those IPAs and, and maybe some light lagers, some light ales, maybe even a red. But if you find a brewery that does a really good stout or really good brown, which is even more rare, or even a porter, really good porter, you found yourself a really good brewery because they're taking the time, they're putting the money and the time into brewing a beer that's very complex and very well, very well-rounded. With that being said, let's dive into some January beers. You can throw February in there, too. For all you people listening in the northern states that are getting hit with cold weather, storm, winter storms, or snowstorms, or had snow in their yard, and just get tired of this time of year, and you need something to warm your belly up with. So let's try talk about some of those. Now, you people in the southern states that are enjoying warmer weather, you can dive into these beers, too. Some of them are a little bit lighter, but... This is a uh, list of best beers to chase down this January from uprocks.com, U-P-R-O-X-X.com. And uh, it's a pretty solid list. They start off with Cosmic Arrow Brett Cezanne uh, from Bow and Arrow Brewing Company, which is out of, I believe, West Covina, California, so not typically a cold-weather state. But this, uh, uh, they recommend this beer is a, is a good Cezanne uh, for um, this type of year. Bow and Arrow Brewing Company takes Navajo tea, wild hops, blue corn, and etc. Infuses them into this master, into masterfully created be- crafted beers. Now, not necessarily this beer, but uh, that's kind of interesting. They're using blue corn. That's kind of cool. Next up is Big Chico Creek by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Uh, this creek's pretty dark looking uh, from the picture I'm looking online. This beer contains multiple Brett. Sack and lactose strains, and, and the beer is then blended in three separate brews, all produced in their sour room, and then re-fermented with cherries. Uh, looks like they only they released it in their brew house only, so this one's more of a California beer. For those of you who aren't in California, you're effed. This beer, next beer I have had, I've given, been given, it's been given to me by a great friend out in the Pacific Northwest, and this is B-Bomb by Fremont Brewing Company out of Seattle. And B-Bomb... Um, actually Fremont, all of Fremont's barrel aged beers are excellent, uh, for the wet, for the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I've mentioned this before Pacific Northwest started off with a lot of wheat beers and they ventured into IPAs, but 
those darker stouts and porters and browns and even the bourbon barrel aging process has been kind of lacking out there. And Fremont is really kind of taking the lead on this and is, has got some beers that are pretty legit for being out there and beers that you could put up uh, to some other, uh, even the granddaddy of all uh, bourbon barrel aged beers, which is BCBS out of uh, Chicago with Goose Island. B-Bomb is a winter ale. It's 12% ABV. So, you know, now that I think about it, I may not have had B-Bomb. I have had one of their uh, bourbon barrel aged stouts. I, the beer I had was not a uh, winter ale. It was a stout, but it's still really legit. Brut IPA by New Belgium. Hey, who just talked about Brut IPAs in an earlier segment? Uh, this is a 6.7% ABV beer, and the picture on it looks like almost like a bud. I mean, it's really light. It looks fizzy, like I mentioned. If you're missing the champagne from New Year's Eve, grab a six or a new Belgian's Brut IPA to keep that feeling going all month. See what I told you? It's a champagne type IPA. I just don't know if I'm going to dig those. I'm going to have to try one out, but I don't know if I'm going to dig that or not. The next beer is out of my backyard, and that is Sumatra Mountain Brown by Founders Brewing Company. And this beer is legitimately a big, big coffee beer with on top of a brown base beer. In fact, if you look at one, when you see the pour, you'll be, you'd be impressed that it's a brown because it is, it's pretty dark. Now, the head's pretty white, but the actual beer itself is almost completely black. In this article, it says this beer is bold. There's a rush of dark roasted coffee up front, and it is coffee for it. I do have to admit that. With a dark chocolate bitterness that balances nicely with the malty sweetness at play. The cops, the cops, not the cops, the hops come in with an earthy counterpoint that's very subtle. It's caramel, coffee, dark chocolate, and beer all rolled into a damn nice bottle. Yeah, it's a good beer. Very good beer. Um, I've had it a couple times. I typically miss it when it comes out, but it is a good beer if you can if you can get your hands on that. The next beer, I just picked up a bottle of this recently, and I have not drank it yet, and it's a beer from Omegang out of Cooperstown, New York, and that is the one their latest in the Game of Thrones series. Now, these, this Game of Thrones series beers have been all over the place. In fact, the last one I saw was a smoked Porter Creek blend, which to me just, that sounds nasty. So I picked this one up because it is a Imperial Stout, I believe, aged in bourbon barrels. Omegang's King of the North is pitch black and heavy hitting, a heavy, and a heavy hitting Russian Imperial Stout. The aged beer carries a hefty 11% ABV with deep notes of chocolate, bourbon, and malty stout. Um, yeah, so I've got this. I see it all over in the stores here in Michigan. It's just like hanging out at the grocery store, and like no one's buying it. And it's probably because maybe it's kind of some of the other Game of Thrones beers have been kind of out there. But they're recommending it, so now I've got my I, my curiosity is peaked, and I want to crack this open. And if it's good, I may go get some more and throw them in the cellar for a few years, let them age, see how they how they turn out. Last on this list is an international pick, uh, I believe, out of Belgium, and that is a international pick they're putting on here, which is Bons Vaux Brassière Dupont, and I probably butchered that. I even took French in high school, and I still probably butchered the f out of that. So this next story hits on both of our kind of segues from both of the last news stories that we were talking about. And that is Lefeff, I think that's how you pronounce it, L-E-F-F-E Brewery out of Belgium. They are a monastery or monk-style um, brewery uh, operated by monks. However, 
they are owned by the mothership, AB and Bev. So I originally thought this article was actually very interesting until I realized that this brewery is owned by AB and Bev. But what's interesting, obviously, it's Belgium. So we're segueing off the last article. And on top of that, the article is about how they are now going to start brewing a non-alcoholic beer. So this beer, uh, this brewery, Lefef, Lefef, Lef, Lef, L-E-F-F-E, Lefef, Lefe, Lefe, maybe, is that how you say it? It's normally made by monks, um, their beers are normally made by monks or on license, and the product is one of the country's most powerful Abbey beers. And it is a, um, it is a, it is a good brewery. I've had s- several people say they like their beers. Uh, the original uh, beer that they brewed with, dates back to 12, the year 1240, and normally has a 6.6 alcohol um, by volume content there. Um, the, the weird thing is that I don't understand why they're making a non-alcoholic beer other than it's a trend and the mothership is putting down the hammer having them brew this beer. It says in this article that non-alcoholic lager and beers have seen a 30% growth in the market over the past year in Belgium. Again, that's just really strange. I, 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 I don't, you know, maybe the, maybe it's the culture and they're drinking it more at dinner, uh, socially, you know, I, one of the things I do know that like Germany, people in Germany, Germans do, and I think it's some of the, the, the Europeans do, is they, they don't drink water like we do, bottled water. They drink uh, carbonated water. Uh, apparently, it helps with digestion or something. I don't know, but it's just it's more of a thing, European thing, to drink carbonated water. So maybe it has something to do with that. There's some kind of driving force, European force, that is driving them more towards non-alcoholic beers as more of a, a beverage that they drink throughout the day. And we're here in the United States. And that's another thing, too. Europeans tend to drink alcohol sometimes at work. Um, they celebrate it at work. Um, you know, they they some of the women have been known to drink wine during pregnancy. Not a lot, obviously, a, a glass a day or what have you. So alcohol is seen in different eyes in Europe. I wish those eyes were actually mimicked over here in the United States. Sometimes I think it's alcohol is sometimes um, deemed as just one step up from like marijuana and stuff, and it shouldn't be. But maybe it's just something with the culture over there. But uh, the the scene of growth of non-alcoholic lager and beers is kind of interesting that it's grown that much. Uh, this brewing process to brew this beer will not be altered in the production of this new beverage. ABM Bev will... First, let the beer go through its usual brewing process. The alcohol is then removed using a de-alcoholization technique to produce the new drink. So that's interesting that they're doing that. It's the first uh, Abbey brewery I've heard making a non-alcoholic beer. So props, I guess. Uh, Maybe. Next up is uh, about a brewery I'm not familiar with. Mad Mole Brewing Company in Wilmington, North Carolina. It did something that's kind of interesting. So I'll real quick give you the five cent tour here and then about what's going on and then i'll play a little bit of clip from this youtube video that they did on story on them so mad mill brewing company doesn't have a lot of space they have a very small brewing facility and uh, uh brew pub it's it's one in the same uh and instead of they i guess at one point they had a walk-in cooler like typical brew pubs have with all the kegs inside and the taps on the outside and they realized that it just wasted a lot of space there was just too much space to have this walk-in cooler and then all the kegs so what they did instead to save money and space is to in their for their tap room is they decide to use serving beer tanks 
as their uh, vessels to hold their beer. So they put all of their beer, instead of in kegs, they put all their beer into these serving tanks. They must look like bright tanks on their side, but it saved them space because then they're able to stack these horizontally stacked um, tanks in right behind their tap, right behind their bar in their tap room, and save space. And I guess it, it saved money as well. Their uh, their tap room and brewing facility is only two hundred or two thousand square feet. They can serve up to twelve beers out of these uh, out of these brew ta- these serving tanks, beer tanks, and it eliminated the need for a walk in cooler. I, I'm looking at part of the video, and I guess they chill the beer as it comes out of the serving tank and before it hits the tap. So it's like a flash cooling process. We've got 2,000 square feet here, and how do we cram a brewery into this and still have a place for people to come visit us and drink beer? Originally, I had the whole walk-in cooler with all the kegs, and it just wasn't that realistic. You know, originally, we thought about doing bright tanks, because the obvious way is you serve out of your bright tanks, and then I was trying to figure out how to lay those out. And the problem with bright tanks is you have to clean them, you have to have access to the front of them, so now you can either line the whole wall with all these bright tanks and none of it fit in the space. We only have one bright tank and it turned out that we really didn't need to because carbonation goes by very quickly and then we can transfer it into the serving tanks. The biggest benefit to me with these tanks is that we carbonate our beer and once it's in the bag that carbonation level is what it stays at. So it doesn't matter if we're running 20 PSI on top of the bags, it's not gonna over-carbonate our beer. It stays at the, the carbonation level that we intended when it enters the tank. That's one of the coolest parts of these tanks is that our CO2 levels can be different for different styles and still pushed with the same pressure air and, and have our lines balanced for that pressure air. And it just works really well. So. There you have it, a little bit of a clip. If you want to, I will, uh, I'll put this on my Twitter feed. You can check it out, uh, but it's Mad Mole Brewing Company. It's kind of a cool, kind of a cool concept, something that maybe uh, other small breweries should take, take uh, into consideration to kind of help them save money and space constraints within their tap room and brew house. All right, we're going to devote the rest of this, this darn long episode, because it's already pushing 30 minutes into beer releases. I'm going to try to fly through these. There were so many beer releases that came up on my radar between the last show and this show that um, we, we need to go over them there. I'm not hitting every single release. Obviously, there's a ton of them, but I'm hitting all the ones that kind of are big name breweries or big name beers for that matter. So let's gr- jump right in. First up is Full Sail Brewing. They're introducing their malted milkshake style IPA. This beer is a hazy and hoppy, smooth and creamy milkshake style IPA. It's unfiltered, not bitter, and there's tons of aroma packed into this full-bodied, creamy IPA. And this goes back to earlier, the trends that we're going to see in 2019. It is an IPA where they added lactose in it to give it that, that sweet note. Non-fermentable lactose provides a full-bodied, smooth creaminess, while the yeast strain creates a hazy, fruit-forward beer. So that's kind of one that you want to check out if you get uh, full sale in your area. Next up is the beer I'm drinking right now, folks. Those of you that have known me for a while, maybe not through Alpha Acid Radio, but maybe through either uh, some of the beer communities in either Google Plus or Facebook, or have watched any of my beer reviews on YouTube under the Mr. Liquid Bread moniker, know that I have a distaste for the business practices of a certain brewery here in Michigan. However, they do occasionally poop out a very good beer, and this beer is, is one of those, and that is... Bell's Hop Slam. Hop Slam is being released now in your area. 
It started being released here in the state of Michigan this week. Actually, I stand corrected. Uh, shipping went out for Hop Slam on January 3rd uh, to the, the counties here in Michigan, to the lower counties. Week of January 7th, the remaining counties in the uh, Michigan, including the UP, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Massachusetts, Maine, Minnesota, Missouri, North Dakota, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New York, Rhode Island, South Dakota, and Tennessee will be getting theirs. Week of January 14th, Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, California, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, North Kekalecki, South Kekalecki, New Jersey, New Mexico, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico. Uh, the remaining counties in Tennessee, Texas, and Virginia will be getting theirs. That's all on the week of January 14th, which is next week. So those of you that are not familiar with Hop Slam, Hop Slam is a hop, hop, hop for double IPA. It's got a pretty good uh, malt base to it. There is a tipping point. This is only a double IPA, so you get to a certain point. Um, it starts to really fade and isn't quite as good, but man, it's still, it's, it's a good beer to kind of watch, uh, mature over about a month's period, maybe even two months. So some of these beers, I don't have a real good description on, so I apologize. Pizza port brewing company will be releasing their bacon and eggs, which is an Imperial coffee Porter that will be released on January 12th. Modern times brewing company will be releasing their poly Rhythmo, which is a 5.1% hoppy pills. Uh, Bohemian Pilsner malt and a sprinkling of Carafoam before hopping with Spalter Select, Hollertoe Milfru and Saz, and lagering at 32 degrees. Man, hop! I do have to say, hops. The hop variants have really changed over the last couple of years. I dropped off the map a little bit on the, following what kind of hops variants there are. Man, I, a lot of these breweries are using all these, like the Saz one. And uh, I've never I've, I've never heard of these before. It's kind of interesting. Pipeworks Brewing Company out of Chicago will be releasing their Petrified Forest IPA, fermented on oak. This beer is 8.2% ABV, and it will be released on uh, today, actually, the 11th of January. Also in Chicago is Revolution Brewing Company. They'll be releasing their A Little Crazy, which is a Belgian-style IPA that's brewed with Pilsner malt and dry-hopped with Citra and Cascade Hops. Beachwood Brewing Company will be releasing their Awesome Hops Double IPA. So keep an eye out for that one. That's another big name brewery with lots of great beer. So next up is the last in a series of beers by founders that I'm not quite sure on their distribution because I have yet to see the rest of these beers. But this is from their Mothership series. Uh, I you know, I stand corrected. I'm not sure if it's the last one, but it's the latest one. It's being released the end of January, beginning of February. It's a 12.8% barrel-aged Imperial Stout. If you're in the Founders Distribution Footprint, keep your eye out for the barrel-aged Imperial Stout from Founders uh, Mothership Number 5. Boulevard Brewing Company will be releasing their Space Camper Cosmic IPA, which is a beer brewed with pale malt, carapils, malted wheat, and then hops are Equinot, Amarillo, Citra, Eldorado, and Galaxy hops, 5.9% ABV. So easy drinker, easy drinker, easily crushable, as they like to say. Stone will be releasing another Tropic Thunder beer. This one, though, is a lager. It's kind of, to, it's, uh, kind of throwing a spin at you. 
This beer has Citra, Mosaic, and Cashmere hops in it. And so keep an eye out for that. It is going to be out the probably nationally at the end of, uh, end of January, and it is a lager. Cascade Brewing Company announces their uh, release of their Valley F- Flora in 500-milliliter bottles and in draft. It is a barrel-aged red ale that's been aged with Pinot. I can never pronounce it. Pinot. Pinot Noir grapes. Pinot. It's not Pinot. The tea's silent, right? Right? Question mark. I'm not a wine guy. Get off my back, people. I'm not a wine guy. That will be coming out soon. So keep an eye out for that. Mad Anthony Brewing Company out of Fort Wayne, Indiana will be releasing their Hop Loco Imperial IPA, which has a whopping 100 IBUs. So keep an eye out for that. That's coming out in six packs. New Belgium will be releasing a new Voodoo Ranger uh, variant that's called Liquid Paradise IPA. Apparently, they'll be releasing uh, three variants of Voodoo Ranger every year. And the Liquid Paradise IPA is the first one uh, for 2019. What's different about this beer is they use this, uh, they have a new proprietary process called incognito. To quote uh, New Belgium, while mosaic hops are nothing new, which is what's in this beer, the incognito process efficiently extracts the aromatic lupulin from the plant material to offer new layers of flavor and aroma for us to play with. That's from the research and development brewer at New Belgium, Ross Koenigs. Nugget. Azaka and Munich hops were also added to round up the mosaic incognito profile. They say to expect bursts of guava, mango, grapefruit, and white grape in this medium-bodied beer. So check that one out this uh, this um, this month or next month. Uh, this isn't really a beer release as much as it is a beer vessel release, and that is Allagash Brewing Company will be releasing white, their beer called white, in cans next month in February. So keep an eye out for that. Creature Comforts. Brewing Company and Russian River are brewing a beer. They're doing a collaboration for a charitable campaign. They both collaborated on a India Pale Ale brewed with Strata, Amarillo, Comet, and Pato hops. It finishes at a 7.2% ABV beer. So keep an eye out for that. That will be in 16-ounce cans and in draft February through November 2019. Dogfish Head Brewing Company will be releasing the Perfect Disguise, which is a double IPA that's actually a Kolsch, thus the Perfect Disguise. It is an 8% ABV beer that will be released in 12-ounce six-packs. It says, on the surface, this golden beer looks like a straightforward Kolsch with a crisp Kolsch yeast and traditionally German malts and hops, but things aren't always the way they seemed. Your first sip of this beer lets you know it's something different. The luscious body and creamy mouthfeel is a result of a unique German chit malt. Hiding deeper behind the German disguise is a double dry is the double dry hopping of an American double IPA with nearly four pounds of German and American hops per barrel, bringing tropical flavors of citrus, tangerine, mango, goose berries, and peach. And you know Dogfish Head brings her shit. So when you see this, you're like, eh, that might not be that impressive from any other brewery. But Dogfish knows how to experiment with shit. I'm telling you, this might be a beer you got to keep your eye out for. Oscar Blues and Cigar City, obviously owned by the same parent company, will be doing a uh, collaboration beer called Bamburana. This Bamburana is a barrel-aged imperial stout aged in whiskey and brandy barrels with figs, dates, and embruna 
Ambrana Wood Spirals. So keep an eye out for that. That should be out here in the next couple weeks. So Firestorm Walker decided that they wanted to jump on this New England style, New England style IPA craze, hazy craze, but they wanted to put a little twist in it. So they visited some uh, the Gutman Brewery in Titting, Germany, I believe. So Firestorm Walker wanted to jump on this New England style IPA craze. So they brewed a beer called Mind Haze IPA. And what they did with this to put a little twist to it, they went back to some uh, Southeast Germany to visit the Gutman Brewery in Titting and kind of kind of watched what they were doing in terms of their, their brewing style with Weissenbachs. And they ended up brewing a 7.2% hazy beer with a creamy mouthfeel and a tropical banana aroma that fits right in with the hazy IPAs of today. But yet, it's got kind of a style that's, that's kind of pulled out of the 50 years of German-style beers of that Weissenbach. They call it mind haze because obviously it's hazy, but also it blows your mind because of some of the flavors they're getting out of this. So that's an interesting one that you want to you want to keep your eye out for uh, this this uh, January and February. So lastly, I'd like to talk about three releases that just I really don't know the breweries, but man, I just I love the names of these beers and the, and, the, and they're music related. And there's nothing better than drinking great craft beer and listening to music, no matter what the genre of music. The first one is by Arrow Lodge Brewing Company, and this is a orange vanilla milkshake hazy IPA. And it's called Don't Sweat the Technique, a nod to the song by Eric B. and Rakim from the 80s. I made my debut in 86 with a melody and a president's mix. And now I stay on target and refuse to miss. And I still make hits for beats. Parties, clubs, and cars and jeeps. My underground sound vibrates the streets. MCs want to beef, then I play for keeps when they sweat the technique. God, I used, to, I used to listen to that song all the time back in the day. Back in the day. I know I'm showing my age. Next up is by Fieldwork Brewing Company. This is their CNC Mosaic Factory Double IPA. And those of you that are younger, those hipsters out there listening to this podcast may not understand the, the, the nod they've got here. But this is to a group from the uh, early 90s called CNC Music Factory. And they back in the day, people used to actually go to clubs and dance. Sometimes you dance by yourself. I mean, you were you were just out there just busting a move. No pun intended. Here is the gong. Back with the bass. Pajamas live in effect. And I don't waste time. On the mic with a dope rhyme. Jump to the rhythm. Jump, jump to the rhythm. Jump. And I'm here to combine beats and lyrics to make you shake your pants. Take a chance. Come on and dance. Guys, grab a girl. Don't wait. Make a twirl. I can imagine that these guys are probably about my age and they are, you know, giving a nod to a, a pretty cool group from back in the day, from back in that, that era. Lastly, this last beer is uh, a nod to a DJ that I'm sort of familiar with. I don't know a lot of his, his, his songs or productions, but I know specifically of one and that is a, uh, a blending, and somebody call me out on this, but I believe it's a blending of the Beatles' White Album, and he mashed it with the Black Album from Jay-Z and took both those albums and made an album. He's done some collaborations, I know, or a couple songs with CeeLo Green, for example, and that is Danger Mouse. 
this is a brewery out of Athens, Georgia, uh, Creature Comforts. They will be doing Mouse's Mask, which is an Indian Pale Ale brewed with Simcoe, Idaho 7, another one of those hops I've, that is new that I've never heard of, and Strata Hops. Uh, this Some people think that this is a nod to Dead Mouse, but it's not. It is a nod to Danger Mouse, two totally different people. I think Dead Mouse is more of a um, dubstep group. The Mouse Mask name of this beer is a nod towards Danger Mouse, who would wear mouse costumes uh, during his sets. So apparently he's a favorite musician of uh, the, the, the brewery, and uh, this will be coming out. Uh, this came out earlier this month and will be in 16-ounce cans. So that is a lot, a lot of beer releases. I know I went through a lot. Of, and there's a there's some breweries on there I've, I've, I'm not that familiar with. There's some breweries that I skipped over that I've never heard of. And they may be breweries in your area. So I apologize. If you've got input that you want, you want me to keep an eye out for a brewery that's blowing your mind in your area, whatever neck of the woods, whatever part of the country it is, you know, you can tweet me at Mr. Liquid Bread. Send me a, send me a direct message on there. Or you can go on, uh, you can send me an email the old school way and send me an email at beer at Mr. Liquid Bread and let me know about a brewery in your area to keep an eye out for it. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for releases and uh, events and stuff like that that may be worth note to, to bring them to the podcast. Trump has kind of put a kibosh to this with his closing of the government. The Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau is the organization of the government that actually approves all beer labels before they can be put on cans and bottles. And it's a pretty quick process, but any beers that uh, breweries have had been brewing, they've now been applying to the uh, what they call the T- TTB to have their label approved. And they can't do that because the government shut down. So they had this beer backlogged. So it's impressive that all these other beers that I rattled off were released, but there's a lot of other beers and a lot of breweries out there that have beers that they're not going to be able to bottle or can with this government shutdown. So go visit your your bigger breweries that are canning and bottling and help support them with the, the you know as much as you can to help offset as much if in case they lose money by having to pour some of this beer probably down the drain. To close this show, I'd like to talk about a a tweet that I pinned at the top of my Twitter profile. Uh, Hopsy, if you've heard of this, is a kind of like a kegging, some kind of, it's like a weird kegging, small kegging apparatus that you can buy. And then you put these big, uh, like 64 or 80 some ounce kegs, you screw them in. And it's think of it like a Keurig only with beer. There's like, you threw, you screw it in and it actually dispenses beer, like a, like a little mini keg. And they have some big name breweries in there in different styles, IPAs, more classic IP, uh, red ales and lagers and stuff like that. They've got a special right now that you can get their entire kegging system for free. If you buy two of uh, their kegs, flavored keg um, beers for 60 bucks. And with that, you get the two kegs, two different beers, uh, style of beers, and two glasses for 60 bucks. But you get the actual kegging apparatus for free. So if you're interested in that, you don't have a kegerator. Maybe you live in a, a inside the in a city, an apartment where you don't have a lot of space. This is a really cool apparatus that you just plug. I think you just plug it in the wall, screw in one of the kegs, and boom, you've got fresh tap beer uh, and good craft beer. Not we're not talking like Heineken out of a you know uh, or Coors Coors Light out of a a beer ball. We're talking like actual craft beer from named breweries that you can just tap to your with your friends and uh, drink. You know, right off your kitchen counter. I don't benefit from this deal at all. I just put it out there because a friend of mine has it, and he's trying to promote the uh, the apparatus because he loves the damn thing. Um, but, yeah, check it out. If you're into Hopsy, 
if you've heard of Hopsy, the home tap system, uh, again, you can get it free with the purchase of two of their kegs. And you get two glasses with that. And check it out at uh, Mr. Liquid Bread on Twitter. All right. So it's another long episode. I apologize, but there was a lot of beer releases. Uh, we'll try to shorten this up the next uh, episode, but I appreciate you guys listening. Keep listening. Keep tuning in. And give me some feedback, man. Tell me I suck. Tell me I'm good. Tell me what I can improve on. And I hope to see you in the flip side in another week. Crack open a beer this weekend. Enjoy it. And uh, stay warm, people. Drink those stouts. Keep your belly warm. Keep that liver pickled. Perfect. Perfect.